We are all of the opinion, my dear general, that some things must be attempted to revive our expiring credit, give our cause some degree of reputation, and prevent total depreciation of the continental money, which is coming very fast. Even a failure cannot be more fatal than to remain in our present situation. In short, some enterprise must be undertaken in our present circumstances, or we must give up the cause. Welcome to the Instinctive Influencers Podcast, a show where influence becomes one of your tools for success. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Ed Haley. Hi, I'm Brian. And I am Ed. And this is the Instinctive Influences Podcast. We thank you so much for joining us today. Ed, we are getting into a amazing topic that we've tried to record <laughs> not once, not <laughs> twice, but now the third time. Um, yeah. <laughs> Luck be the lady today. Huh? Uh, but with that, man, before we get too deep into it, because we're, we're basically going to cover uh, leadership lessons and, you know, some some of that area of of uh washington that we you know we both are very proud of uh you got a new bike this week you sent me a picture of it you want to tell us about your cool new bicycle i did get me a nice a ghost treyu e-bike so i can cheat uh i got a nice e-mountain bike that uh, my wife and i ordered in april Yep, I know it's January. We ordered it in April, and she still didn't get hers. So I'm pretty excited. I just need the weather to change because I'm a little soft when it comes to the cold. And uh, if it's not over 40, I'm not going outside to do anything, really. So, yeah, Hey, you're speaking to the choir, my friend. I am a fair-weather individual. Mm. Uh, if it's under 48, I don't ride. If yeah. it's, if it's uh, in the 20s, I don't run. So. Uh, oh the 20s oh you're generous Ooh. no i mean i can do the, i can do in the 30s as long as the windshield the windshield factor isn't in there you know I, yeah. I got a peloton right in front of me here i can jump on that just as easy <laughs> get my sweat on uh, so you get this e-bike man is it to, to kind of help you get up some of those mountainous hills yeah i mean it's a couple of things here there's so many trails everywhere and you'll see this trail and you'll be like, wow i really want to ride that and you're like but look at that hill Ooh. Like, so, uh, and then there's another thing I want to do and hopefully they still have it given the current, you know, pandemic situation. They do this, um, the MWR, the morale welfare recreation for the military does this ride every year along the Rhine river. And basically you ride for a few hours each day over a four day mm -hmm. weekend and you stop at hotels along the way. And then they just bust oh, you yeah. back at the end of it with your bike. So you just, you and your bike and whatever you carry. That sounds awesome, man. I know. That sounds cool. <laughs> just to get out there and just, yeah, I, yeah. I, I would enjoy that. I would. Yeah. yeah. So. <clears throat> All right. So hey, we're going to get into, uh, we're going to get into this topic because I think it's been long overdue. We've got to talk man. about it. Um, and this is, this is leadership lessons from crossing the Delaware. We actually pulled this article. This is an article we found uh, on Forbes.com. So it was pretty cool. You know, it's funny how you can find 
material in the the strangest of places you know i've been i've been doing all kinds of searches man uh for all different <laughs> types of leadership lessons because i really like the idea of building on this um however i would say that there's a lot more to the story than what we're going to get into from this so i would recommend people to check it out uh but i did want to give like a little bit of a history on the and in, in a narrative form about what we're looking at at this particular scene before we okay. jump into those five lessons. And we're going to hit those five lessons in it. But here we go. The winter of 1776 was a miserable one. The wet and frozen ground over which the ill-equipped men of America's army marched left summer as distant memory. Washington's troops were mostly made up of farmers, merchants, and laborers, not professional soldiers. Even his generals were novices. <laughs> Many, like Nathaniel Green of Rhode Island, had no military experience at all. Even Washington himself had only experienced combat as a British militia commander during the French and Indian War, which had ended 13 years before. Throughout 1776, the American army had suffered defeat after defeat. Yeah. Hungry, yeah, hungry, exhausted, defeated, and demoralized, the army trudged through the frozen Pennsylvania countryside. Adding to Washington's difficulties was the fact that the government of the new nation he represented was destitute. The new Congress could not provide money or basic supplies for his troops. The soldiers mm. originally enlists were ending. And many more were deserting in hopes of receiving pardons from the British. The cause of independence stood on a knife's edge. The burden of saving, uh, there we go. Yeah, the burden of saving it fell to Washington. The pressure on him personally and professionally were immense. Doubts were certainly at the forefront of his mind, but Washington knew he had to act. Washington's experience as a militia commander taught him how to command a volunteer army. Good, good morale and hope were an essential, it was as essential to its survival as arms and munitions. Supplies were tough to obtain. Washington wrote pleading letters to Congress, begging for reinforcements, for supplies, for money to pay for his troops. Not any support the former colonies could provide. Maintaining hope would take courage. All right, so we're. I want to leave it to that for right now. So we have a general idea. Washington's in this point right now, right? He is. He is basically at his wit's end. He has no yeah. support from the from the Continental Congress, right? He's got this army that he is basically. He has to push through the different battles. They're getting beat up. They're they're losing soldiers, not only from you know being killed but they're losing soldiers who are deserting those whose enlistments are ending we're looking at a multitude of problems and he has to figure it out you know i wrote a paper ed um not too long ago actually uh, i'm in right now i'm uh, in the department of professional studies and in this you actually have to do a history paper and yeah. I, I i'm probably gonna i'm gonna send i'll send you my history paper man i did it on I, I call it Washington's push and I did the entire paper on crossing Delaware. And it was, I wrote the paper after we had already tried to record <laughs> this episode twice. Right. And the things that you find out through research and then you, you, and you start understanding is 
why she didn't actually, it was on him. The revolution, like to actually win was completely on him. It was almost like, yeah. I almost felt as if though, like the, the, the continental Congress, they were just kind of like there, but they weren't there. They were like, all right, yeah, you can do it. But then they, they wouldn't, they, you know, they didn't show up. And yeah. when I say show up, I don't mean to war. I mean like backing him somehow, finding finances, finding supplies. Instead, Washington had to do that. And he had to rely on some some really, really good individuals, which we're going to talk about some here. Um, let me get, before we dive into these leadership lessons, because we have five of them, let me get some thoughts from you with well, this entire scenario. Yeah, so there's a couple of things that are very key here too. That So one... So the Continental Congress at this time is not in the capital of Philadelphia nope. because the British has pushed them into Baltimore, right? So they're gone. They're, they're backed up. Yep. Washington has lost. George Washington has lost New York. He's lost New Jersey. He is continuously retreating. So now what's happened is he doesn't know it, but in Baltimore, there's an appetite for his removal. So yes. that discussion is, you know, that discussion is being had as he comes upon, as he as he gets closer to this moment in his life that will change a lot, um, with crossing, you know, three hundred uh, three, I think it's three hundred yards where he crosses that. But yeah, but it's the conditions and, and those things, and you can even hear. And so we open with a quote from Colonel uh, Joseph Reed. Just want to make sure we give him that credit. But <laughs> in, in it, he's basically saying like, "Hey, like we need to do something, and it needs to be drastic." Or yes. we should just give up what we're doing. And they know that the price for what they've done, because it's treason, is death. So mm-hmm. they're, they're backed against, like, we have to fight. And, and we need to do something really drastic right now. And Washington is, is <clears> looking <throat> for that great victory. Maybe not. He may be not thinking, I need a great victory. But from now, knowing what we know, he's looking for that great moment, that great victory that makes him this larger than life person. Cause at this point he hasn't had it, you know? Yeah. I, I, you know, it's funny that you say that, uh, I don't want to, I don't, I would never compare war to a sport. Okay. Uh, but you can, you can do like similarities and stuff. And the way yeah. I see this, right. I see, I see like continental Congress and all that, that basically the figureheads, they're like the front offices of an NFL, uh, uh, team. Right. They're just there. They're providing yeah. what they can. But I would say the front officers actually provide more than what the Continental Congress was given. And Washington's the head coach. That's what he is. He's the head coach. He's the one making the plays. Uh, he's out there. He's setting up the plays. He's doing everything. He's got his players, but he doesn't have a stellar team, right? He's right. not. He doesn't have a Tom Brady at quarterback. He doesn't oh, have an Odell man. Beckham Jr. He doesn't have a Nick Chubb <laughs> running back. You know what I mean? Hey, hey listen. Just, just deal with it, okay? We're working through it. Yeah, but he he, he doesn't have stars. He has average Joe. That's what he has, and he's got to win games. And if he doesn't win, you know he's on this losing track, right? So his season started off, you know, with a, a losing track, and they've lost, and they lost, and they lost, and it's like, oh, hey, maybe we get to look at, you know, replacing our head coach. Maybe we got to look at. Uh, you know, getting a new one in here who may be able to do this, or maybe we need to look at dissolving the team in a sense. That's what I'm getting from it, right? I see right. Th- that's what it looks like. But then he makes this decision hey, we're going to attack. 
we're going to attack the Haitians. And I know you'll talk about the Haitians in a moment, probably. Uh, but we're going to do it when the most unexpected time, right? So if anybody knows anything about history and, and they understand about uh, war during that time period, in the wintertime, in most cases, the wintertime was when <laughs> the least amount of battles took place. They literally would just stand to. They, or they would close up shop for the winter. And yeah. then come back out in the spring, and you know it would end. It would end roughly around the beginning of December, middle of December, and then they wouldn't pick back up fighting like heavily. Like you may have small skirmishes here and there, but yeah. you're not going to have any major battles. Yeah, uh, fighting so, season. Yeah, basically, and that's what it was. It was fighting season. So here we are. We're supposed to be holding back, and George's like, "No, no, no, we ain't doing that." No, we're we're gonna go get them. We're gonna go in. We need to do this. We can use a, uh, the the surprise element. We can we can we're gonna cross over where they didn't think they were, we would ever do. And there's a lot of things that you know, I wrote this in my paper. There's a lot of things that that weighed heavy. There were people. There were people telling the British and the British's Haitian soldiers, "Hey, he's coming across. He's coming to attack you here." Mm -hmm. And they were like, "Nah, it ain't happening." He 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 doesn't have that, right? <laughs> well, we're gonna see. We're gonna see. You want to start us off with number one, man? The first, uh, our first leadership lesson here. I am so thankful for you giving me number one because I really like this one. So the first <laughs> leadership lesson is heroes exist in the unlikeliest of places, and so for this, Brian, going right off off script here. So <laughs> the hero here uh, that they really focus on is uh, Henry Knox, right? So Henry Knox is he goes and he retrieves some artillery for uh, General Washington and and he plays such a key role in the He's New York in the <laughs> whoops series trying to help you trying to help me out yeah series trying to help me with the episode uh so anyway, so Knox actually goes and he gets this uh, gets a bunch of artillery pieces that they left behind when they when they were you know retreating. And these end up helping to turn the tide. And during the New York, New Jersey campaign, he is is one of the guys. But but here's the thing, right? I mean, when we say heroes in unlikely places, I mean, prior to this, Henry Knox was a bookstore owner. Like he wasn't, you know, yeah, he wasn't, yeah. you know, General Washington's classmate. Uh, he was just this average Joe doing average things uh, before this. So that's really important to know. Um, and then, um, you know, he, he, he participated in a lot of major engagements with Washington around New York City. He was almost captured in the Battle of Manhattan, and he actually gets away with some assistance from um, Aaron Burr, who is another key figure in, in American history. So, you know, this is one of those cases, like, if you say, oh, that bookstore owner is going to, you know, play a role and the United States being formed, no, nobody would ever believe that was the case. But here's this guy, and and he does it, you know. Yeah, insane. Uh, that is, you know, heroes in the likeliest places. So how yeah. can we, how can we see this as a lesson learned, and then utilize this within our organization? Well, your heroes in the most likeliest places, it could be those influential leaders that you have that are not formal leaders. They're not in a formal leadership position, right? Absolutely. So that's, yeah. that's noticing those individuals, those people who can take the reins, 
and run with it. That you can trust to do that. You know, they show competence. And that's what Henry Knox did. He showed a level of competence for the things that, that you know, I mean, they got to get these large artillery cannons across on these rather large boats. You know, people are often confused. You see the picture, the painting done, uh, you know, the, the famous yeah. picture done of him crossing uh, with just a few people in the boat. That was not the type of boat that was being crossed. No. Okay. No. What we, what we had to focus on is they were much larger boats. Um, and often these were the type of boats uh, that would carry livestock and just heavy, large items. So they were really yeah. bigger boats. Um, and one of the key facts too, is what they did is, and, and this kind of brings me a little pride for my home state is they brought a lot of the new Englanders from Maine and stuff like that, who are used to like really yeah. rough waters. They came down. And they're the ones who piloted those boats across. So, uh, but for Henry Knox to figure out this whole getting the artillery pieces across, that was a big thing. You're talking about a non-professional soldier, a bookstore owner. He, yeah. he, he maybe he read something about it, you know. So I guess that, that goes to show Ed that uh, reading does help. Doesn't matter. I mean, yeah. And so the, when it talks about in the article that we we're referencing. The very last blurb of this article is so interesting to me. Like eagles, leaders don't flock together. You must often find them one at a time. And sometimes a bookseller helps you win a war. And, and I think that that's so, it's so important to understand that, you know, yeah. don't underestimate that person's capabilities just because they're in a position where maybe maybe that position's not challenging them enough and they're not showing their full potential, but there's right. more underneath, you know, maybe there's <clears> great, you know, let's, let's talk about, you know, our guy that we have in common. Maybe he's great in an office scenario, but maybe he's even better outside of that office working and, and managing more people. But we don't know that because he just stays in the office. He doesn't leave his office scenario. Right. So he's managing two or three people, but, he really would be great at managing 20. He just doesn't know it yet. So you, mm -hmm. you can't overlook those things when you're looking at people in your organization. Just understand. I don't know their full potential. Yeah. I don't know everything they have to offer yet. Maybe there's something there. And that comes to Brian about, you know, you and I have talked about um, talking to people, getting to know people in your organization, because then you're going to pick mm -hmm. up on cues that, oh, Brian, I didn't know you used to be a facilitator at a schoolhouse. I would have never thought you were good at that, you know, and, and you got young Sergeant Weber and you're like, you know, I'd like you to be my equal opportunity guy and, and teach these classes then. And we can use those skills. Now I just made the organization better because I tapped into something that you have a skill of that maybe in your day to day, you're not showing me, but by having discussions with you, I've learned it now and we can, you know, make our organization better. Exactly. All right. Before we, before I jump into the next one, and I just want to say, hey, so the takeaway from this, from that very first one of heroes exist in the most unlikeliest of places is don't underestimate the power of the people. Don't mm. because you don't know where your next leader is coming from. And it's, I think if there's somebody out there who's listening to this and they're a junior leader, wherever they're at, hey, help reinforce, you know, those leadership traits. If this is, if a senior leader is listening to this, Hey, don't shut people down. Instead, build them up. Because really, your job is for them to take your job. We've sent it a hundred times. A hundred times. Absolutely. Yeah. Good point, right. Brian. 
So I'm going to get into the next one. It's called Hold Steady in the Face of the Butts <laughs> of the Butt Sir. But sir. Yeah. Before, before I get into that, though, I want to read this part real quick. Washington decided to attack at night, using the darkness to mask his movements and surprise the British encamped at Trenton. Although the darkness would improve the chances of surprise, it also added a challenge to what was already a daunting task. If he were able to concentrate his men successfully and lead them across the ice-choked river, he would need to then lead them into combat. Mm -hmm. This fight would not be against British regulars, however, but against British Haitian mercenaries in the service of the English king. These Haitian troops were from central Germany and were renowned for their extremely effective discipline and vast experience. Facing these soldiers was a truly intimidating, okay, so it's truly intimidating mm -hmm. uh, prospect for the young and exhausted force of laborers and farmers and the general commanding them. So here we that's, go. That's so, interesting. Yeah, we're setting up. We're setting up this idea. Like, hey, this is this is going to be tough, you know. And, and <clears throat> before I get into the the number two one, there, you know, how many times did do we face something in our workplace? How many times do we face something, you know, uh, just in life, and we're like, man, this is just this is going to be tough, you know? Like we're telling ourselves how tough yeah. it is. We're basically trying to defeat ourselves before it's over, right? Yeah, the unknown, fear of the unknown. <laughs> It'll, it'll get a hold of you. Yeah. Um, so real quick, Ryan. So you talk about the Hessian troops. So there's a couple of things. So one thing is it was widely believed at one point that the Hessians had partied all night because it's Christmas, right? And, <laughs> and so true. that they were in such a state that it, it made it a little easier for them to be uh, surprised. But this is not the case. The case is that the locals in Trenton, Right, had mm -hmm. formed these little like militias, and they had been harassing. And so that, uh, oh, really, what was his name Colonel Colonel uh, Raw, who is the leader of the Hessian forces around Trenton, he actually has his men, and they're all in a high state of awareness for days on end leading up to this attack. So it's more a case of they're exhausted, right? And, and you start to become complacent with that, uh, be, becoming as you become tired. Yeah. Yeah. So when George and the and the boys get there, these guys are like, they are prime, but it's not because they like discipline and were drunk. And, and that goes back to you saying how these guys were super, you know, they were known to be well disciplined um, mercenaries. So I, I just wanted to add that kind of to the discussion. You know, we could almost we could almost make a, a another lesson learned from that right there. That's that to me, Ed. That's that whole. If everything's a priority, nothing's a priority. And then basically he's making everything a priority. He's wearing them out. He's creating mm -hmm. burnout. We've done a show yep. on burnout. Uh, so go back to our the archives and listen to that. But basically that's what he's doing to th his forces, which Washington doesn't know this. You know, he's going into this blindly uh, in a sense. I mean, he has his spies and stuff like that, but I don't yeah, think he I've... really understands that part of it. Um, yeah, and then... So also, last point, I promise, is that <laughs> I don't so, so Colonel Raw also believed, like, nobody's coming across that river. So oh, it's okay God. to let our guard down, you know, towards the river. Nobody's coming across that in this storm. Mm -hmm. That's ludicrous. Yeah. yeah. There's one guy. 
there's one guy yeah. who was told by his uh by his adjutant, we got to do something drastic. So there was one guy, and this yeah. crossing the Delaware is that drastic move. So what you got, Brian? So hold steady in the face of the butt search. I started off reading about how tough this is, how what they're facing. And it's because it was to set up this next leadership lesson, which okay. is okay. Once Washington made his decision to cross the Delaware and attack, he never wavered. As soon as the order was disseminated through the ranks, leaders were hit with a barrage of butt sirs. But sir, the river filled with ice. But sir, these boats weren't designed to transport cannons. But sir, my men haven't eaten in three days. <laughs> they won't survive the march. But sir, the British are well resisted and well fed. What chance do we have in battle? I mean, I could have done it in a, a, a but sir, you know, sir. One, of, one of those types of voices, right? So <laughs> here we go. But sir, but sir, but sir, as a leader, how often do you deal with resistance to a tough decision? Washington responded by increasing the level of communication so that everyone had better understanding of his decisions as illustrated in the brief aside to his officers. Mm. If we do not win soon, there will be no army left. When there is no army left, the rebellion will be over. When the rebellion is over, we will all be hung. Therefore, we have little to lose. So basically, what, what's going on here is Washington is giving them, this is what's going to happen. We're, if we don't do this, we're all fired. If you think about it, right, we're, we're all losing our job. And, mm -hmm. oh, by the way, we're probably going to die, too, because they're going to hang us. We're, the, we're what they're fighting against. They're not going to like it. They're going to set an example of us. Let's think about this in the football realm, Ed. All right. That's the, that's the speech to the coaches. That's <laughs> that, hey, if we don't win, we're all losing our jobs. We're all going to get fired. They're going to look for a new head coach. They're going to need a new quarterback. They're going to need a new running back. They're, they're not going to keep us if we keep losing, right? And that's, I mean, well, you know, I hate to bring this up, but, you know, the Washington football team, they may want to look at a lot of stuff. New name pending. Yeah, new name pending. Because they're one of those organizations that uh, they probably have a lot of butt serves going on. And, uh, well, some of them are pretty bad, you know, poop, poop, water coming everywhere, scissors on the field, multiple injuries on the, on, in one little spe specific spot of the field. Yeah. Anyways, uh, let me, uh, let me digress. <laughs> so, but with this man, if you think about it, we're as leaders, we're going to make a decision and we're going to receive what is called a resistance to change, right? Yeah. We do. They're they're going to try to resist us and try to, oh, oh, oh hold on, and we got to think about this. But we already thought about it. We already did the planning. We already did the strategic planning. We've already des decided how it's, we've resourced it. We need to move forward, and that's the key part: is to be able to say, "Hey, listen, as a leader, tell them the why. Tell them mm. it's okay. That's what that. That's what when you get a bunch of butt sirs." Or, but ma'am, or hey, but boss, tell them why we're doing this. If it is, if it is a stupid reason, then you stop, right? You think about it. All right, is it really a good reason why I made this decision? However, if it's to keep the organization going, 
then that's what we do. We keep going. We don't stop because mm-hmm. we get a bunch of naysayers. And that's going to happen. It's going to happen time and time again. And, you know, I seen it. I, I seen it on my last organization where people were like, no, we can't. You know, our organization is too big. We can't take everybody to the field. Want to bet? I've done it before. We can do it again. Right. Uh, I yeah. did it under my mentor when he said, we're all going. I was like, okay, let's see how this works out, you know, because I trust it. <laughs> yeah. And I was getting the, we were, myself and my previous commander, uh, Blair Anthony, love the guy to death. Uh, same thing. We were getting the same butt sirs or butt first sergeants. And like, no, it's, you're giving us, you're giving us hopeless, unvalid excuses. How do we move on from those? So, but that's, that's kind of my soapbox on the butt, sir. I think we just got to move forward on, on, uh, Ed, where, where do you take it? Yeah. So I see it kind of like that too. Like it is a, um, but I was, I was thinking more, you know, we've talked a few times about the, uh, come to me with a problem and a solution. Yes, sir. Here's the issue, but here's how I see that we could fix it. Maybe it's a delay, whatever it is. And for this crossing, I mean, to me, um, there were so many opportunities to say, but sir. And the way I see it is that's what makes this crossing even more epic is that they overcame those, but sirs and they continued mission uh, anyway, right? Like they continued to push because I mean, they're three hours behind the original timeline. Oh, when they yeah, land, yeah, you know, yeah. When they land on the other side of the river, <clears throat> he intended on being ready to attack by then. Sorry. Uh, yes, because he wanted to fight in the night. And so, but he didn't say, oh, you know what? Uh, we're too delayed. Let's stop. And I'm sure it wasn't as a matter of him just saying, nope, we're going. He, I'm sure he's like, okay, if we continue on, here's. You know, the, the hazards, here's the, the the things that could happen because of that. You know, let's weigh the risk versus the reward. I'm sure there's a lot of decision-making, not based off of what we call the military decision-making <laughs> um, process now, but I'm sure they had something. Whether It may be just him internally, right? Because it was a lot oh, yeah. more, uh, not as decentralized command back then. So maybe it was just George running it through his head and going, mm, no. No, it's worth the risk. We have to go or we're going to be tried for treason. So let's go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that's a good way to overcome the butt sirs, Brian. Uh, you know, see, <coughs> excuse me. Goodness. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, not so much the decentralized command. However, I would say this. He had three different units or three different groups that they were trying to uh, cross at once, right? Absolutely. And they were all in three different locations. So it's not like they had like this great communication back and forth. Hey, I'm going, you going? Yeah. Okay. Are you going? Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> it, they didn't have radios to say, all right, time move now. Let's go. ETA. Yeah. Charlie, blah, blah. Mike. <laughs> yeah Charlie Mike out. Yeah. No, this is what happened. There was a plan. It was sent out, right? Yeah. So let's think about it. We just did the, we just did the show on mission command. We talked about commander's intent. We've got it. We know, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment, basically, when we talk about communicating vision. Uh, so we have the commander's intent. Yep. They receive their mission orders. And now you've got discipline. We talk about discipline initiative. And then also we talked about risk acceptance. All right. What happens? Those other two units Washington was supposed to cross with, they didn't cross because 
They said, I can't accept this risk. We can't right. get across. They, they took discipline initiative. Now, was I mean, there's not a lot reported on how Washington felt about this, about those other units not making it. However, he still fulfilled his portion of it, and he still got across. Uh, before a so before we get into this frequently communicating the vision, I want to I want to cover another little area. Alrighty, I've got this man. I've got this great narrative that, uh, about the whole crossing and the choice of crossing. It, I, I would tell you that if anybody really wants to, you know, uh, really understand, like really fulfill, like just understand it, and and they're as interested in this type of stuff as us because <laughs> I love. And I love just looking up like some of these. You learn so much from history. You learn so much. Like you can yeah. apply, you know. <laughs> and and you're talking a time where there was no technology, you know, horses, yeah. cannons, boats, ice, yeah. uh, ice. Those starva- things just don't sound like they go together. You know, you know what I'm saying? Those starvation, horses, cannons, ice. Yeah, starvation, uh, bare feet at some for some because they didn't have the right equipment. So you name Definitely. it, man. Yep. To me, that those those were soldiers. I mean, they may not have been; they may have been farmers and and uh, bookstore man, you know, bookstore salesmen. Those, to me, those were soldiers. They turned into soldiers. All right, so here we go. The troops were drummed out of camp at two p.m. on December twenty fifth, and the mission was on. As the men marched down toward the river, the wind picked up and rain started to fall. The men struggled to load cannon, horses, and themselves into the slab-sided boats that would take them across the river. As the evening wore on, darkness settled in, and the weather continued to worsen, changing to snow and hail with strong cold winds, freezing the wet men and equipment. Hmm. The weather got so bad Two parts of the army to the south were forced back from the river, unable to cross. See what I'm talking about? They couldn't cross. Mm -hmm. If Washington were to lose courage and call off the attack, now would be the time. So we're talking, we're going to get into the next one. Number three, Ed, tell us how, how that right there, if Washington were calling off, now is the time. Now is the time. Well, first of all, Ryan, the original vision, right? It was three pronged, right? So we keep talking about these other two. Uh, General Ewing was supposed to cross uh, near Trenton Ferry, and yeah. he was going to block the Hessians from being able to retreat out of there. And then you also had Colonel uh, Caldwater, and he was just going to be like a diversionary crossing at a place called Bordentown. Um, so you had these other people. So this is the full vision, right? You're going to stop them from retreating. You're going to be the diversion, and we're going to be the main line of effort. And we're going to get over there, and we are going to um, uh, we're going to start this march by midnight, and all these things. And then Murphy showed up, right? Murphy's Law, and 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 he damaged the vision. He damaged the vision, but the overall vision is still there. So Washington didn't say it just once. He repeated to he repeated himself over and over, up and down the line of soldiers. Mm. Mm-hmm. The vision, cross the river, move the artillery, cross Jacob's Creek, 12 hours. Did everyone agree with that plan? Probably not, right? Did they execute the mission? Well, we know they executed the mission. And I think it's an understanding of a vision that lets you say, okay, yeah, we're behind, but let's keep yeah. pushing yeah. forward. Yeah, you know, uh, 
General um, uh, General General Ewing didn't get to cross, but let's push forward. Is, is this a catastrophic failure? Him not crossing? No, we can still accomplish the general's good general's vision, and we're going to get into in point four how that vision still gets accomplished, right? How we know he's still all in too. Because you got to know that the general, General Washington is still all in as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so there's a lot to it, but they understood the vision and and, and understanding that. And I remember being a young private and you'd go out to these uh, field training exercises. And I remember them saying, well, who's the enemy? And I was like, I don't know. We're just out here in the woods of Fort Drum, New York. Right. But they developed these scenarios and I never understood. Like, I'm just a private. I'm here digging this hole. Why do I need to know that? And now, 24 years later, plus, uh, I understand it because you want the lowest possible person to understand it. Yep, and I know you haven't, yep. you, yeah, and you haven't had the opportunity to spend some time at the National Training Center in beautiful Fort Irwin, California. <laughs> but I can tell you one thing they will do in a heartbeat. The guys who are in charge, who kind of control the training, they will mm-hmm. absolutely uh, take a squad leader and say, you lay down, you've been shot, you're dead. And now the private's in charge. They, I, It's almost like they're they taught to do it. They thrive on it. But if the private understands the vision of the overall operation – we can continue on, right? The yeah. army goes oh, yeah. rolling along. So it's the same thing, I think, and whatever your organization is, understanding that end state, understanding that vision, <clears throat> understanding the, the direction the organization is going in lets you make sure your efforts are in line with that vision. Yeah. I, you you, you <laughs> couldn't explain it better. My mic's too heavy to drop. <laughs> you're gonna drop that bad boy yeah don't do that it's also not it's not cheap either you don't want to have no. to replace it your wife would be very upset with you um she would definitely communicate her vision <laughs> you, with extreme violence oh yeah, no. extreme violence with extreme violence now <laughs> hey man you you're exactly correct right when you hit upon you hit upon the whole under uh the the dissecting the mission down to the most junior individual ah, within the organization. Hey, there's Patton. <laughs> she made it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you think about that, right? She is just going off. But uh, so you think about, let's think about that. That most junior individual, they're being told X, Y, and Z. So yeah. I thought about this. I thought about this recently yet. Uh, I, we get the discussion post going on for school in my department. So we do discussion posts just like a regular college. A lot right. of the stuff we do is just like college. All right. Um, a little bit different, but still very much. Um, I, I did a post uh, about training and just it, because that's what we had to talk about. And a buddy of mine lives down the street. He's in my class. He replies back. You know, he liked this, blah, blah, blah. What do you think about Arctic training? Oh. Uh, to look at adversaries, you know, to, to fight our adversaries who could possibly attack in the Arctic. And I thought, you know, the first thing I thought of, Ed, one was crossing the Delaware. That's right, like, it, boom, it came into my head like, wow, right? How do we measure up to that? How do we train for that? Second thing that came up to my mind was, what does Joe think when they're out there doing Arctic training? What are they thinking? <laughs> I'm cold. Yeah. Why are we doing it? This is a waste uh, of time. You know what I'm saying? Like all those, 
all those negatives, those but sirs, they're coming in. They're coming into play. And you're like, and you as the leader, you want to join them and say, nah, yeah, you know what? Forget this. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. actually, you know inside. However, you also know, like what is required of me? I'm to lead these people through this tough time and to help them to see why we're doing it. Yeah. All right. So I'm to lead these people through a tough time and help them see. If you take that same concept and you apply that to any civilian organization, any uh, okay. community service, uh, you're a you're a ball coach, you're I don't know, you're you're leading some kind of group. And if you can lead them through the difficulties by explaining the why we're doing what we're doing and help them visualize it. Because we're going to get and be visible also mm-hmm. through communication, constant communication, you're going to achieve what needs to be done. Are you still going to have naysayers? Absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. going to happen. But you know who I, you know, who I look for, man. This is, and I'll, I'll stand on my soapbox all day long. I will always look for my informal leaders, and I will f- because they have the strongest power in my organization. I'm going to get them on my side. I'm going to have them ingrained in this concept. I'm going to help them realize how important they are to getting the mission done. And I'm telling you, then mm-hmm. you step back and you watch them go to work. That's why, I, I don't know, man. People say, hey, man, why are you still in? I'm at 23. And you're, you're the same as me. I'm so you're, you're at 24 <laughs> now. Yeah, you're slightly more. They're like, wait, why did you retire at 20? <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah, I do. I know. I love it too much. I enjoy it. Yeah. Right? That's it. They have to that's kick it. me. They're they're gonna have to kick me out at thirty. My wife, you know, I mean, I mean, that's not that far away. Don't get me Maybe. wrong. Maybe. You know, it's about it's about six years down the road. You know, Maybe. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. It will probably happen. But, you know, we, I mean, total rabbit hole. But you and I talked about it. I, I, I used to ask the bearded ninja, like, how do you know mm-hmm. you're ready to retire? And I just woke up one day and I was like, yeah, yeah, I think I'm ready to retire. I'm ready to be yeah. done. So you never know. In the next six years, you may wake up, have that day, and you're like, yeah, I'm, I think I'm ready. So, yeah. But you got to share that vision with your family. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> hey, uh, real quick, you brought it up. I'm, I'm waiting for the right time to do it. But not everybody can look like the bearded ninja. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. I've got just the tools for it. Yeah. And then... Uh, We'll, we'll see what happens. I'm just, I don't want to, I don't want to waste this beard. You know what I mean? You know, it's, I'm like, I need the right moment to do it. So maybe it'll be a day where we can just, you know, set something up and we can call him because we well, can call him through the roadcaster here. It'll be still, awesome. If we're still recording in two years, I'll be working on growing my bearded ninja. I'm going to get my, <laughs> my snake oil. <laughs> your, my your, own, your own inner bearded ninja. Yeah. Yeah. Now, hey, you know, absolutely. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to move on. But get back on track. <laughs> yeah, get back on track. You know, hey, those of you listening or watching on YouTube, it doesn't matter. Uh, if if you don't enjoy the banter every once in a while and the, and the ridiculousness of us, I'm sorry. It's just sometimes it's fun. And, and especially when Ed and I get to, we only get together once a week now, I mean, in, yeah. in a sense. And to be able to talk and just jab back and forth is fun. Um, and obviously, we show a, an immense uh, attraction uh, to George Washington and history. So I mean, there's yeah. that. 
Uh, all right, so here we go. I'm going to read right. this, uh, this more from the narrative before we get into our point number four of Be Visible. <clears throat> After a mighty struggle that Henry Knox, one of Washington's generals, described as being of almost infinite difficulty. Mm. Let me repeat that. He basically described as being of almost infinite difficulty. Like he is staring down the barrel of a 45. (laughs) That's actually a song. So that is a song. Uh, (laughs) Washington was able to get the men of his section across. The attack was now three hours behind schedule. Any chance of surprising the enemy seemed gone. Now, with only one-third of his men in enemy territory and with the river at his back, Washington again had to decide. Could he push his wet, cold, and tired soldiers to attack an enemy that had been comfortably installed in their warm homes all night? Or should he turn back and risk being caught and attacked on the river by the enemy? All right, so we're we're at this point. We're talking. He's he, he's across. He made it. His other two organizations did not. Uh, it's gonna play. They a still role have later. to march. They still have to march too. Now, like we're Miles. here, we are. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, we're and we're three hours behind. And here's here's a here's a quick point. I did some more research uh, for for that paper that I wrote. When people landed, there were some people. That when they landed on the other side, they were like, "Oh, this is not good. We're not going to survive this. We're <laughs> not, you know, something's going to happen." Yeah, they took off, and you know where they went? They went straight there. They went straight there to tell the Haitian army, "Hey, yeah. listen, we we just came across with uh, with old George here. <clears throat> Georgie's on and, his way, and he's on his way, and he's got X, Y, and Z. So here we are. We're three hours behind. I got traitors tucking tail and running." And they're telling the enemy. Now the enemy knows we're on our way. <clears throat> Excuse me. Goodness. Um, so here we go. Number four of leadership lessons here. A continental soldier's diary recounts that for every mile he covered, General Washington probably covered 12, riding back and forth, checking on the front line, then crossing the creek to check on the men at the back of the line, then back to again to the front again, The soldiers Mm -hmm. knew their leader was invested and that he was fighting right beside their side. A good rule of thumb for leaders, the tougher the mission, the higher the visibility. Here we go. So here we are. You have have to, um, let's say, incorporate a change in your organization. And this change is massive. This is not the time to sit at your desk. This is not the time to hide behind your computer screen. This is not the time to play armchair quarterback. This is the time to do what Ed and I talk about all the time. Battlefield circulation. Get out there constantly. If you're going to check your emails, do that before everybody shows up to work. Do it after everybody leaves, right? You're trying to instill confidence, one, in your ability to lead. Also, two, that you are invested in this important movement. And that's and that's and if you think about it, I mean, obviously George Washington wasn't checking his email, uh, but he he wasn't he wasn't like uh, huddled up inside some, some tent waiting for people to show up 
it was a fire. He was out there on horseback. By the way, uh, if, if there's a book called Leadership Lessons, uh, Leadership Lessons on George Washington, I listened to the audio book, and I've also got the hard book. Uh, he was. We one. also started doing episodes on it. <laughs> we did, we did. Yeah. But I, I've completed the book. However, he is one heck of a horseman. Like, and that's something to be prideful back then, right? Like, yeah. oh yeah. If you could, if you could ride a horse the way he did, like you were a superstar in society. So he's back and forth on this horse. He's going through a creek with a horse. And you think about it, that horse's legs are probably exhausted by the time they're done. Yeah. Right. And frozen. Cause he's going through a Creek. that's frozen over kind of sort of, but isn't, you know, it's still moving. Um, and with that, he's going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He's constantly showing a presence. He's constantly showing how important this mission is. He's talking to his soldiers. He's motivating his soldiers. He's there for the, you know what I mean? He, he wasn't hiding out. And that's the whole point is no, if it's important to you, it can be important to them. But, you you can't make it important about you. That's the key thing. I look I look at that Ed. Where where do you go with it? Yeah. So you know this is also a thing. This is and it's probably in the leadership lessons of Washington. I believe this is a thing for him. So in the battle, I believe it was about Cowpens. I may be mistaken on the battle, but the Brit British are and and the Hessians are beating the Continental Army back. Yeah, that is. And they start mad this mad mass <sighs> retreat, but. Washington is headed to the front and he goes, Hey, you soldier, where are you going? And they're like, sir, we're, we're falling back. And he's like, no, you're not. And he starts pushing them back yeah. to the front, back to the, because I mean, here he is, this is the senior guy in our whole command. And here he is headed to the front. And if he can do it, I can do it. You know, he wasn't no young fella at this point. And so being visible, it's very important to George Washington. And for us, Brian, I mean, you can't be an absentee leader. No. You can't. Because the soldiers notice. Yeah. The soldiers 100% notice. When you're not around, they notice. Mm -hmm. um, so you got to be there. You got to be at the front. That's the reason that every morning when you have a formation for physical physical training, that's why you, the first are. That's why you're up yes. front. Yes. That's why you're up front. You're being seen. And when you're not there, you know what happens? Where's first are at? Where's first are? Is he on leave? Where's the first are? It's a concern that you're not up mm -hmm. front because that's where you belong up yep. front. So I think that's why formations are the way they are. Maybe they're not. They are to me. So in in the rules of formation, according to me, <laughs> you're at the front because that's where you're supposed to be. And I should yeah. miss you when you're not up there. Ex no, hey, man, you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> it's funny. Um, throughout my career thus far, you know, you, you meet those leaders who are capable and mm -hmm. competent, but they're not committed. And sometimes, you, and how do you know this? I can tell you for sure. One is like, are you out there actually doing physical training when other soldiers are out there doing it? Because if you show you're doing it while they're doing it, they're going to know how committed you are. All right. Uh, and yeah. that's for soldiers, right? Um, you know, we went through the COVID crisis. Uh, and one of the things like me and my commander did, we worked out every single day together, every single day. Unless he had to go do something with the other officers, we were together and we were working out. However, because of the restrictions, we weren't allowed to like do it in certain areas. So what we did is we work at my gym or we work at his gym back and forth. Um, and then, you know, we we do a couple other things here and there. 
But the fact is, is we constantly did it. And then, well, how do you involve the soldiers? One of the ways we did, I uh, I came up with this. Uh, it was a first sergeant challenge. Every week we had a first sergeant challenge. Kids that li- that listen that were a part of the organization, then they can probably test uh, test to this. Um, but what it was is, I would do a workout or I would do something, and then I would put it on a whiteboard that anybody could see. Hey, if you can beat my time, or you can beat this, or you can beat that, then you earn my parking spot. It only happened like once. However, uh, <laughs> the commander, the commander, because he's a, he was a little younger than I am and he, uh, he was faster, right? I'm older, man. I mean, come on. I, I'm about endurance, uh, for the long haul, not for speed, yeah. <laughs> but he would beat me on things like just getting time or, or whatever. And he'd be like, man, that's, I can't park on two spots at once. I'm like, well then don't, you know, once you put your parking spot up for grabs too. Uh, but it's, it's the idea. It's the idea that you're finding ways to show your commitment. It's ideas of showing what you talked about. How am I showing that I'm out front doing what I need to do? Mm-hmm. I'm. How am I being visible? Bat- all day long, battlefield circulation will do it. And it's not to do a battlefield circulation to constantly see what's going wrong. Hey, how about you get out there and you s- catch pee- people doing something right? Like that's mm. I, I've heard it multiple times before. I want to see Simon talks about it and he references someone. But how are you going to catch people doing what is right? Yeah. And it's yeah. I like it, that. When, when you switch that mindset, when you switch, switch that frame of thought, you're no longer that pessimist. You're more like an optimist uh, in the idea that, hey, what's right? What 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 does right look like? And then when you see it, you make sure everybody else knows that somebody's doing something right. Mm. You know, hey, you know, hey, everybody, I just want to say, hey, I want to say thank you to Snuffy over here. I've done this X amount of years, and to see him do X, Y, and Z, that is amazing. You know, and, and thank them for it. And yeah. you're, I'm telling you what, that kind of visibility, that will earn you respect. And it'll earn you what? What do you tell me? Le- pay the bill for leadership capital. Yeah, <laughs> that's paying that bill, buddy. Get a little capital. It's not All wrong right, with that. we're going to move on to the la- the final point, uh, oh, and you're going to cover that. But uh, before we do that, I'm going to read this this real quick. Uh, it's one last thing when we talk about you know pushing it forward. After the battle, Washington would explain his decision in a later in a letter to John Hancock. In it, he wrote. I well knew we could not reach it, Trenton, before day was fairly broke. But as I was certain, there was no making a retreat without being discovered and harassed on repassing the river. I determined to push on at all events. Washington would drive forward for victory or death. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Not only were his life and the lives of his men in the balance, but also the fate of the revolution. Ultimately, the attack proved a resounding success. Against all odds, as the weather continued to worsen, Washington successfully marched his men, horses, guns, and wagons to Trenton. After gaining the east bank of the Delaware River, the courageous freezing army marched over nine miles to the Mm. Haitian camp at Trenton. So they cross this river 
freezing blocks of ice everywhere, the sleet coming out, snow, freezing them. And now now that are crossed, oh, oh hey, by the way, now we can do a nine-mile rock yeah. march. <laughs> then we're going to get it. Yeah, yeah. And we're not talking, you know, and, oh, let me hit this real, real quick, and then we'll go further with this. Washington himself rode up and down the column of men, exhorting them to press on. There they defeated the German mercenaries and won a huge psychological victory psychological mm. victory that is big man like to know what's going on we get to think about this you're going to get into leaders aren't called to do their best that's what you're going to get into but let's think about this they're losing and losing and losing and losing this this battle right here this i i would i would guarantee it set the tone for the rest of the rest of the revolution this is the one that i think completely changed the revolution because you think what happened next so they take trenton they kind of give trenton back okay mm -hmm. because they had to pull back a little bit they take trenton again and then where do they go next now they take princeton they're winning they win they get three solid wins in a row yeah i mean that to me that's solid and then it just turns into a, a snowball effect all right ed Give us what you got on this. Leaders aren't called to do their best. All right. So leaders aren't called to do their best. Washington knew this leadership secret better than anyone. He knew that most of his men's enlistments expired in a week and that he was outmanned and outgunned. Mm. He knew their only chance of survival was to attack and win at Trenton. Everything else was irrelevant. It didn't Everything. matter. It did not matter that the river was filled with ice or that half the men had no shoes and hadn't eaten in days. That's those butt sirs. Uh, the boat boarding passcode that night was victory or death. This is what Washington believed, and it was how he led his army. He knew that as leaders, we are not called to do our best. We are called to do what is required. Mm-hmm. Mm not called to do our best we are called to do what is required i mean he he understood the importance of this he understood like we talked about so, a couple of times already on the show this is treason <laughs> if we lose this is treason that's that's death uh, yeah so he understood that and so he just they just did um you know they did what they had to do they overcome the butt sirs because they had to they had to get to the Hessian camp outside of Trenton, you know, oh no, it's it's gonna be daylight when we get there. That doesn't matter. We got to get there. Um so he uses vision, he used the visible, you know, he uses vision, he used all these things together to get there and uh to to engage in his battle and to win, to win this battle, like you said. So yeah, he has a small setback. So we talked about the two um not crossing the two elements, not crossing uh, Colonel Caldewalter and, and um, General Ewing. That's why he crosses back. He wanted to go on the counterattack. He wanted to continue what he was, you know, okay, so we did this thing. We met the Hessians at Trenton or the Hessians at Trenton. Let's move on. Let's keep moving. But he couldn't because they didn't cross. So he does fall back and then come back again to Princeton uh, and Trenton. So, but yeah, just doing what you got to do. I mean, we should understand. We understand that, not should. We do understand that as leaders. Like, 
there's things you could do and maybe you could do them a different way and you feel like that's the best, but is that what's needed now? So uh, something to kind of keep in mind with you and within your, in your organizations is I'm, I'm going to give my all to do what is necessary now. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe I'm not going to be the star of the show by doing this thing. Maybe I'm not going to get all the spotlight on me by doing this thing. But the yeah. spotlight might fall on this organization. It might fall on my successful army and mm-hmm. not on Washington. You know, they're going to question Washington's wisdom in crossing that that river and, and doing this nine mile march. But you know what? The end state is my army went there and they performed and I was there the whole way and they saw me there. And yeah. So what you got, Brian, about leaders aren't called to do their best. There we go. Real quick. I want to I want to I want to finish off this narrative because I think what what it ends with, it's quite strong. Uh, and then before I get to that, I just want to. Hey. I'm not trying to sell a book, but I can tell you right now, this book right here, this is a, it is a good one to understand what's going on. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called George Washington on Leadership by Richard Brookshire. Uh, it's funny. My wife was uh, in here dusting one day and she, she realized, she looked, she saw the top. Can you see the very top of my book there? The bookmark? Yeah. That's uh, my bookmark. <laughs> I like to use, I like to use a dollar bill, you know, with old George G dub on the on the front. But this is a great book. If you want to really understand what was going on uh in that era, just just the whole mindset of everything. It this helped me. Mm. This really helped me out uh to really understand it. I've got another good George Washington and a revolutionary war I want to get into later. But let me read this real quick. This is uh this is the final parts of the narrative. Washington's courage had won the day. His soldiers were destitute, cold, and exhausted. But he knew he had to motivate them and push on. His generals were inexperienced and demoralized, but he knew he had to inspire them. The weather was cold and the river treacherous, but he knew he had to navigate it. Everything seemed against Washington, but he knew he could act. To overcome seemingly impossible situations, you need courage. Washington, in his crossing of the Delaware, exemplified this virtue. The war would drag on for seven more long and arduous years after finally in, ni- in 17, 19, 1983, independence was secured. Without Washington's courageous decision to act decisively against the British at the moment of the greatest danger for the colony army, that may not have been the cause. All right, so here we go. Washington's army went on to win the Battle of Trenton and to win again at Princeton. The momentum of those wins turned the war in their favor, eventually leading to American independence 15 years later. And I believe the momentum mm. truly began with the perseverance of one man directing his forces to victory through a blinding snowstorm. Nearly 250 years later, actually we're over that now, General Washington's leadership lessons are as valuable today as they were the snowy night on the banks of the Delaware River. So let's think about this. Leaders aren't called to do their best. So mm-hmm. all I'm calling on to you, uh, Snuffy, is do your job. You determine if you do your best. I'm calling on just do your job. That's what that's about. Mm. I need I like you to do it. your job. Yeah. You determine doing your best. And then your best will, it will define who you are, right? Uh, we don't go out and do physical feats uh, to 
because you know, hey, we have all this, all these different glamorous things that are going to happen for us. You and I, Ed, we do we we like cycling, running, you know, lifting stuff like that. You and I do these things because one, it 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 fulfills something inside, right? It also psychologically helps us. Yes, um, but there's no one out there saying, "Hey, I need you to do uh, a five mile run." Really, I mean, you think about it. We there's no one. That, However, we're choosing to do that. And then how we do in that event or what we do during that event, that's on us. Do I decide to push myself a little bit harder? Give my best? That's up to me. Uh, when I'm called upon to fulfill a position, uh, we've talked about this before. Actually, um, <laughs> my previous commander, he hit me up and uh, he, he's been listening. Thank goodness. He finally listened. He said he wouldn't listen to the show until I've already left the organization. I'm like... We could have had so much more better talks if you just listened to it while we were. Just I was listening. Yeah. yeah, it was. He's. It was weird, but he's been. Yeah, he has been listening. Uh, and <clears throat> he hit uh, the episode when we talk about imp- the imposter syndrome, and we talk about being in. You know that feeling of being an imposter. He was recently selected to be the brigade exo, so he's going from a battalion exo now. He's going to become the brigade exo, and that's a big thing. Like, I told him, I said, "You're destined to take on that that." that darker, that, that silver oak leaf and to take on a battalion, you know, I, he said, nah, I want to, I said, nah, man, you're a good leader, bro. You know, this, I, that's how I truly feel. Like I, you very seldom meet those type of people, but he said, he said, he listened to that show and he truly felt the imposter syndrome. Mm. Let's think about this. You're called on to do a job. Only you can determine to do your best. Sometimes when you call on a job, a job, you you have that imposter syndrome. I'm not good enough. I don't know why I got selected. I don't think I can do this. You're telling yourself all these things. Why not just I'm just going to do it. Just do it, man. You know? And then when the times come, you get every time you get challenged, you step up to the plate, you knock out knock it out of the park for a home run and you move on to the next challenge. I, I concentrate on that challenge. Right. Meet that challenge. And just say, hey, listen, I got it. I was called on to do a job, but I'm going to do my best. You don't have to say it to anyone. Say it to yourself. And that's, I think that's key here. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I wish I, sometimes you, you know, you wish you, there was a way to kind of hear conversations uh, with Washington, his generals, his soldiers, just to hear. I would love to have been able to hear his voice, hear how he motivated them. But at the same time, I wonder what was happening when he was on that horse by himself riding and he wasn't saying anything to somebody. What was he thinking? You know, what was he saying to himself when he was coming up to the coming up with this plan with his planners? What was he thinking in the moments? You know, it's just, it's incredible. And I would definitely, I would challenge people to, Hey, take on each job and do your best and just roll on with it, man. That's what I get from it. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that was excellent, Brian. A very good point. And I thought, um, yeah, and I mean, it's just, it's what you do. It, for me, for me, if I have a job to do, I don't understand why I wouldn't do my best, right? I just don't understand. I mean, and it's it's a sense of, maybe it's a sense of my mm-hmm. own personal pride or yeah. I just feel like if I'm going to take the time to do this, yeah. then I may as well do it all the way like my mm-hmm. you know so yeah no that, that was that was excellent but man uh, this episode uh i don't know man i like to listen to the first one but we can't and see i, I thought this episode's gone very well today 
Uh, I just I mean, there's a reason why we had to record it three times. <laughs> I, I don't think have, we were hitting the mark. I did have a fun fact for you, though. So here's a fun give fact. It. So give we were it, talking earlier, I talked about, um, about Colonel uh, Rawl, right? The leader of the Hessian soldiers in Trenton. So yeah. he dies from his wounds that he suffers during the fighting. So on December 26th uh, or 7th, there's a little bit of question about the exact date. He, uh, he dies. But he still gets court-martialed in January of 1977 after he's dead. Uh, and he was found guilty of neglecting to make preparations in case of retreat. So he was still criminally charged after his death. Uh, and then another key figure in all of this that we didn't, we, we, I forgot to mention is we talked about how much Washington was retreating, but why wasn't he, why wasn't he stopped? Why wasn't he destroyed? One, George Washington, historically, many, many, many historians will tell you, he's one of the luckiest people that's ever lived. Uh, oh, yeah. A, a lot of times he should have been caught and, and, and probably killed, you know, you know, uh, given sentenced to death. But when he's doing all this retreating prior to the crossing of the Delaware, Cornwallis says, you know what? It's winter. I'm going to go back to New York. It's too cold for this nonsense. And he's not coming back. He's crossed the river. He ain't going to cross it again. And Cornwallis lets him go. And this is how we end up with this whole scenario of him saying, you know, I'm going to be audacious and I'm crossing that. I'm crossing that river because yeah. nobody thinks I'm going to cross that river. Um, so it's just a couple of little fun facts that I know we didn't get to mention. Um, and uh, the other one is, uh, so there is some questions about the losses at the fighting in Trenton, right? Uh, there mm-hmm. are reports that no Americans died, uh, but then there's also reports that two died in action and two froze to death, and that was all of General Washington's uh, casualties. Uh, yeah, he, he fights. It's hard to believe. Twice fights twelve hundred Hessians, and the Hessians lose a hundred and six, either dead or wounded, in that same fight. And everybody else, George took prisoner. So now he's yeah. got a bigger crossing. <laughs> Did you, uh, did you want to, I know you, you know about the facts of things. Did you want to mention about what the thoughts were about the Haitians after this? Like what happened to them? What, what, what kind of happened to them? I don't know. Why don't you enlighten me? Oh, you did. Oh, okay. Maybe, know, maybe know, this is I'm not drawing a blank. I can't remember. It was a conversation. Hey, you or somebody else. Anyway. So here's the deal. Uh, if you notice across the Midwest of, of America, oh yeah, I know it now. <laughs> you, you, yeah. You'll notice that there are a lot of uh, small towns across the Midwest, yeah. and it goes all the way from basically through Pennsylvania, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes all the way down to Texas, actually. And what happens is that a lot of people think these Haitians, they were like, you know what? Forget this. Let's just go take up some land, become farmers, and just live the life here. Yeah. It's way better. And so a lot of a lot of people believe that once this battle happened, those Haitians are like, forget you, British. Looks like they're gonna do well. We're gonna go, we're gonna go take up settlement here in the States. And that's what they did. So yeah, I mean it's, that was you and I. Yeah, yeah, I it was my memory a little bit. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I this was a big event. Like for General Washington, this shows it who huge. he is. It yeah. shows his actual genius as a military commander mm-hmm. at this point. I mean, it shows how uh, bold and uh, or audacious he was to to fight at Trenton. And what it does, it does, like you said, it does reinvigorate the Continental yeah. Army. There's a few things 
if you studied American Revolution, there's a few moments that I personally feel were huge points. So it's this one. And Baron von Steuben is the other one when he arrives at Valley Forge and he starts actually drilling the the Continental Army. And then I think that's the moment they become an army uh, officially. But this Mm -hmm. is one of them. Washington here, and and this is why his legend is so huge, right? Is because Mm -hmm. he keeps – at this point, if he loses – if he loses at Trenton, the revolution is probably over because now they've got clear path already to Baltimore. They've already pushed everybody out of Philadelphia. Uh, if, if Washington stands in defeat, who's going to stop the British and the Hessians now? So I, could be it could be more crucial than we know, Brian. Uh, I I can't remember exactly where it is in in this particular book, uh, Washington. Uh, basically on leadership. However, there's a great deal of information talking about Baron von Steuben. So Washington had a choice, uh, two different people in the, in the book they talk about. He, he's like, you could choose to have this individual trying to train up your soldiers, or you could take this really crazy dude that we don't understand <laughs> and no one understands because he doesn't speak English. <laughs> and they go, he goes, I want that guy. He doesn't speak English, but he knows what he's doing. And it's Baron von Steuben. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty impressive. Um, but with that, okay, Ed, we, we, we're, we're really like doing great on time. I'm surprised. I think that's what it was. Cause I think last time we recorded this, we were be- definitely over an hour and a half. Um, <laughs> so with that, we covered today, we covered five leadership lessons on crossing the Delaware. I, people yeah. may think, man, this is what, why would you cover this? Because it's a critical, it's critical to understand that whole scenario, one, as a soldier or as a business leader, right? To understand those leadership lessons could help you set yourself up for success. And that's the whole point, Ed. And we're going to cover more stuff like this. We're going to hit upon different wars, leadership lessons in different wars throughout American history. And I'm really excited about do some of these. Uh, And, oh, excuse me, goodness. uh, (laughs) But where we go with this... um, I'd like to hear from the listeners, Ed. I'd like to hear from the listeners about what they thought. Well, then I'm, I'm I'm hoping that I could I could get this from you, but I want to hear this. Is what I want to hear from them about. I want to hear about what they think about this particular this particular scenario, those lessons, and is there something else we can gain from that particular scenario to learn from? And if somebody could give us that, you know. Like, that's the whole point is learning from each other. But Ed, if we wanted people to learn from each other and to tell us about this stuff, are there like, is there like something that we can do or we can go or we can type things, okay. you know, like use the alphabet, stuff like oh, that? I, one moment, Brian. <clears throat> I'm hoping that's not what I think it is. <sighs> it's water. Okay, okay, just want to make sure. <clears throat> yes, Brian, there is, as a matter of fact. Our listeners can go check us out on all media, social media platforms at one-on-one influence on the Facebook page. It is a closed Facebook page. There's some simple questions. If I answer them, you can answer them too. Go in there, answer your question. One of our team is waiting to approve your access. Go in there, get involved. You can also find us on the gram at one-on-one influence, Brian, and you can interact with us there. Both of us check that pretty uh, frequently. And then, Brian, and then there's the YouTube. Uh-huh. Our listeners can find us on YouTube. They can see the faces 
They can yeah. watch some of the yeah. faces that we make when one of us says something crazy. They can see me scratch my <laughs> ear 15 times during the episode. Go to the Instinctive Influencers YouTube page, subscribe, give a big thumbs up, and then add some comments. Let us know what you'd like to see in the future, what we could do better, what we do well already, if anything at all. Uh, and then we will uh, welcome that kind of feedback. And you, as you know, if you have been listening to the show, feedback is crucial to our development yes cheers yeah, I, it's cheers to you my friend yeah i well mine's rain so jalapeno strawberry a little rough but I, i'll pay a dollar <laughs> i'll pay a dollar 25 at the dollar tree. um yeah hey man like that's it we if we could just see more activity on that uh youtube page that's i mean that's really where that's where they get to actually kind of see like our feelings behind it you know and, and understand it um <laughs> But hey, thank you very much. I appreciate, man. Hey, I appreciate you wanting to go over this one more time. But I'm hoping one this time, time. <laughs> it, I hope it downloads just as good as last week's. Um, oh man! Uh, but so, real quick, Brian, I did want to plug one book. Uh, I'm not selling the book it. either. So I've been using this book today. All right, and funny. Uh, this is the real history of the American Revolution: a new look at the past. And what's What's interesting about this book, Brian, is it's by a man named Alan Axelrod. Do you recognize that name, Ryan? I do. You should, because he also wrote the uh, the Patent on Leadership book. And since we're talking about military and yep. it's on leadership books, that, that should show you, if you're not military, shows you that there is a connection between what we're talking about and your organization. So I, I encourage you to check out this book or anything else. Alan Axelrod is actually one of my favorite historians to read. So check it out. But I just wanted to make sure people knew what I was using today as well, Brian. Thank you. Absolutely. Hey, so uh, for, for those of you who are regular listeners or you know, you're just coming in for the first time, we're going to start, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at a few interviews to knock out here and there to try to kind of, you know, break this up a little bit. So we're going to go back and forth, but we're definitely going to be hitting upon leadership lessons. If there is a leadership lesson that you feel like would be a great topic to cover, shoot us a message. You can send it privately. You can send it through our Facebook page or whatever. Just let us know because we'd love to cover it because um, there's nothing like looking at previous examples to help us for the future right um ed you got anything else for the group no uh no no i i don't brian uh change could be could be another change of venue coming but we'll we'll make that and i'll make that announcement later <laughs> later on i already know i know the announcement we're just <laughs> we need to wait and see what my change of venue will be hopefully tomorrow i'll find out and then maybe we'll make a big announcement together who knows i mean sounds good to me buddy yeah big announcement all right yeah, well, hey, man, I, thank you so much. Uh, totally just glad to be here with you guys. With that, I want to say I am Brian. I am Ed. And this has been the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. Oh, I, so thank you so I much for listening. Him? Have a good day. What's that look like? <laughs> Last week, you wanted to wear a helmet. Yeah. This week, you're trying to crack open a beverage. It's LaCroix. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> It's safe. <laughs>